You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Eileen Tan, and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Rheumatology Advances in Practice, and I'm also a rheumatologist based in Leeds in the UK. Today, we are going to discuss an interesting paper with an intriguing conclusion that glucocorticoid use was apparently associated with higher bone mass and less fractures. So I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Marwan Bukhari and Professor Martin Bose, the authors of the paper, Paradoxically Protective Effect of Glucocorticoids on Bone Mass and Fragility Fracture in a Large Cohort Study. This paper was recently published in Rheumatology Advances in Practice. Dr. Bukhari and Professor Bose, please would you introduce yourselves? Yes, hi, I'm Arm Bukhari. I'm a consultant rheumatologist in the northwest of England, and I'm trained in epidemiology around the Manchester area, and my interest is in quality of life and osteoporosis and playing with databases. Hi, I'm uh, Martin Boers. I'm a rheumatologist and a professor of clinical epidemiology at the Amsterdam University Medical Centers. My main interests are glucocorticoids and uh, intensive treatment of early rheumatoid arthritis and uh, outcome measures in rheumatology in general. Thank you for the introductions. Dr. Bukhari, would you like to introduce the background to the idea for the study, please? So everybody has been surmising that the exposure to glucocorticoids is actually detrimental to your bone health. And I have a database which has a larger cohort of patients who have been referred in for bone density estimation, more than 21,000 patients. And uh, while we were chatting at a meeting, Professor Bose came and said, have you got data on glucocorticoid exposure? I said, yes, I only have yes or no exposure. And he said, do you have fracture data? I said, yes, I do have fracture data. And we started to explore the database, looking at the association between those exposed to glucocorticoids referred in for a DEXA scan from primary and secondary care in those who've had a fracture versus those who didn't have a fracture. And to our surprise, we found that basically those who'd been exposed to glucocorticoids at the time they had the scan had better bone density and a lesser amount of fractures. And Professor Bose came back and said, well, we have to look at this in different ways. And we did several sensitivity analyses. And within the limitations of the data set, it became fairly obvious that this is at least a very robust observation it's not a randomized controlled trial. It is just an observational trial. There might be biases in who was referred in for a DEXA scan. We hadn't adjusted for treatments, but within what we saw, it was very interesting. That's a really interesting findings. And as you said, this is um, less well known in terms of glucocorticoid effects and bones. Professor Bors, what do you think the, are the implications for this result that you found in the study? I think this may be the first observational study on glucocorticoids that shows a beneficial effect on bone or on other potentially adverse events. There may be 10 million studies telling you that glucocorticoids are bad. So this is really a first. And it was so much a surprising and an unexpected finding that most referees uh, that looked at this paper thought it must be wrong because it's so surprising. So it took us many years of writing and reanalyzing and convincing people before we finally got it published. So this is a, a great day for science, I think. Having said that, I 
I'm also on record to say that you should not do any observational studies in glucocorticoid because of uh, confounding by indication, which is very, very strong with glucocorticoids and basically makes your results hard to interpret. And here I am co-authoring an observational study on glucocorticoids. So that is funny in a way. Uh, and, and so I know as no one else how limited the conclusions are that you can uh, draw from such a paper. And there are hidden biases operative in the study. But still the surprising thing is where usually the bias goes so strongly against glucocorticoids. Here is a huge database that's actually showing the opposite results. And it, it does invite people to think about how this this could have happened and, and what the implications are. That, that's a really good point about the fact that this is an observational study. Um, what about, therefore, is there a clinical message? How do we translate this to clinical practice, if at all possible, because of the nature of the, the way the study was conducted? I, I think in, in general, we should maybe even stop doing observational studies on glucocorticoids because of this confounding effect. Maybe 50 years later, when the name of glucocorticoids has been cleared, then you don't get the effect that, at least officially, you don't try to keep people off glucocorticoids as long as possible until you have to, and then you put them on. So usually people who get glucocorticoids have a, you know, a worse disease than people who are not on glucocorticoids. And if you have a worse disease, you also have more chance of all things, bad things happening to you. And many things associated with rheumatoid arthritis itself resemble the things that happen to you when you get high doses of glucocorticoids. So the problem then is if you treat a disease that has these effects by itself with a drug that may have these effects and you find the effects, it's very hard to know what's going on. So my point all these years has been the only way to find out what's going on is to do a randomized trial. And that is difficult and almost impossible to get money for. So I guess, um, Dr. Bukhari, if if you've now got the finding of this studies and your trainees have asked you, well, you know, you found that glucocorticoids unusually or usually can affect bones in a different manner to what we normally understand. What would you say to them? I would just say, well, this is this is at least shows you that the range of responses within a clinical trial is actually there's a normal distribution but the ones that show steroids are bad for you might have been published while the ones that show that steroids are either indifferent or good for you might not have been published and so there's a bit about publication bias etc but uh, professor Burrs is being, being very modest he's just he's just finished a very good randomized trial which he could be able to tell us about and i'm sure that the, the trial might have been surprisingly not showing the bad effect of steroids martin what what did your trial show yeah so so indeed that trial has been completed now a year ago and it's finally been accepted for publication Trials on glucocorticoids are also hard to publish, but it only took me a year instead of several years as this paper we're talking about. So that's good news. So given that it's accepted for publication and will actually be shown maybe a week from now, and it was also an abstract form, I can talk about it. And basically what we did was we got money from the European Union to do a, a pragmatic trial in rheumatoid arthritis patients aged uh, 65 or over. And why 65 or over? Well, that was because the EU wanted to do studies in elderly patients. 
it's not because our study question was limited to that subgroup, but that's what we got money for. And in a way, it was a good thing because senior uh, patients are even at more risk of getting adverse events of anything you give them. And they have lots of comorbidities and they have lots of other treatments for diseases. So if we were to give these people a low dose of prednisolone or placebo, it was only five milligrams. We treated them for two years. The results would give, if you want, an upper limit of harm that you can expect from chronic low dose prednisolone treatment. It was pragmatic, so rheumatologists could do anything they like, except give long-term oral steroids, obviously, because if they were to do that, then the whole contrast would be would be gone. But if they felt the patient was active, they could switch their methotrexate to another drug, start biologics or whatever. They, they could do anything they like. And we found in those two years a modest beneficial effect of prednisolone, five milligrams, um, a, a DAS decrease mean over the trial of about 0.4, but very consistent. And we found a limited increase in adverse events, which is to say we defined adverse events of special interest as serious adverse events and a set of events that we are afraid will occur with chronic prednisolone dosing, including bone loss and fracture. There were other things, but if we focus on bone loss and fractures, we saw absolutely no relevant difference in those outcomes. That is to say, we did find a significant difference between the treatment groups because prednisolone patients lost 1% of bone mass over two years, but the placebo group increased by three. So they had a little increase and prednisolone was basically constant or slight decrease. And that difference, because we included 450 patients, turned out to be significant. But we did not find differences in either clinical fractures or radiological fractures, and we studied all of them. So I can say with some confidence that giving this low dose for two years to elderly patients does not cause a clinically relevant effect on bone. That's fascinating. Thank you, Professor Bors. That is reassuring and we look forward to reading the paper. So any final comments about the this paper that we've been discussing then? It's just a very good way of saying observational studies, although they can be challenging and have methodological issues, can raise very interesting clinical questions and can answer questions in areas that you think, well, it's unanswerable, but you can get there. Uh, and in fact, we looked at a subgroup of patients just with rheumatoid arthritis who were on steroids and we showed exactly the same effects. And one of the many sensitivity analyses we've done over the years. So, you know, if, if you have the data, always go and have a look. Don't be discouraged if it's observational. Just understand the flaws in your data uh, and do the analysis. In terms of, of low-dose prednisolone, I think we've all been steeped and raised in the lore of prednisolone adverse events. And the data, actually, the whole data set for prednisolone, even though we have the drug for more than 70 years, is appallingly poor in terms of rigor and final conclusions. But what we can say is that a lot of the things we are so afraid of came to us from from days where patients were, were treated with high dose and also non-rheumatological patients, I mean, hematological malignancies, transplantation, where, you know, 
completely different doses are given, completely different patients are being treated. And, and there you see all kinds of things happens. And those are translated one-on-one -on -one to our patients. And even though doctors in practice use the drug and say, we don't see that stuff, the guideline gurus keep saying, no, 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 this is extremely dangerous. So I think we should wake up and start looking at science instead of, you know, religion. This is a religion. Well. Uh, evangelical science will always be with us, I'm afraid. Um, one, of my, one of our many jobs, we always see people who are very, very keen to use one theory to try and explain everything. And as Ted Pinker said, an expert is someone who makes the same mistake with increasing confidence. So that's what's happening. Thank you. Thank you both, Dr. Bukhara and Professor Bors, for this very interesting discussion. Much food for thought for all of us. Um, thank you to all of you for joining us on this episode. I would definitely recommend reading this paper in more detail, which is published in Open Access, and therefore it is free and available to everyone. Until the next episode, thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.